questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. There are no conspiracies. There are only truths and lies. The globalist agenda could not have a better excuse for establishing more world governance and massive economic change than this new coronavirus called COVID-19. Crisis creates opportunity for the ruling elites, as popular dependence on the authoritative ruling class vastly increases in times of fear and stress. Panic and uncertainty lead to a weak and compliant society, one easy to control, and that is exactly what the ruling powers desire. Any bioweapon attack or mass viral outbreak, regardless of whether it was intentional or not, can only lead to tyrannical measures. The release of this agent sets the stage for a perfect storm, for radical global economic change. And if it was a false flag event, meant purposely to create panic, these changes are already set to take place. Is it a coincidence that we have seen a so-called virus every two years which happened to be election years? SARS in 2004, Avian 2008, Swine 2010, MERS 2012, Ebola 2014, Zika 2016, Ebola again 2018, and Corona in 2020. According to the CDC, they report 48.8 million illnesses, 959,000 hospitalizations, 79,400 deaths in the United States, and 650,000 deaths worldwide from the regular flu in 2018. Why wasn't this declared a pandemic? When as of the day of this recording on March the 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a pandemic with 4,633 deaths worldwide. Is coronavirus viral pneumonia being hyped as the Black Plague before an election? You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it and click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Tonight's special guest doesn't require a long introduction, as she's a veteran of this program. Dr. Lorraine Day is an internationally acclaimed orthopedic trauma surgeon and best-selling author. Her website is drday.com, drday.com, and she joins us from near Palm Springs, California. Hello, Dr. Day, and welcome back. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine. Well, let's first question. The first question a lot of people are asking me, is this a true pandemic or has has it been hyped by the media and the elite? Totally hyped. It's just like every other one. However, 
However, they are going to do something during this supposed pandemic. Uh, it is a cover for all the other things that they're doing, which we will discuss. But the coronavirus by itself causes, are you ready, the common cold. The coronavirus causes the common cold. That's all. And so, uh, first of all, I also need to tell you that the CDC lies all the time. That's what they do. They lie. Uh, the, the director of the CDC is an appointee of the government. It is not uh, an institution that has the health or safety of the population of America on its mind. It is there to do the bidding of the president or the Illuminati or whoever is in control at the moment, which is all, always, of course, the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds give the orders from the city of London. They go to the Council on Foreign Relations, and then they go to the president. The president, that's one reason they could have Biden as president, because Biden's mind is gone, but it doesn't matter, because somebody else makes all the decisions anyway. So only if Biden is an embarrassment to them, which he should be, uh, for that reason, they should not have him in. But the point is, the president has not made the decisions to run the country since John Kennedy. And when John Kennedy had the audacity to think that he was the president, then his brains were blown out on international television. So the CDC lies. The CDC also has a foundation. Most people don't know about it. You can go on the CDC website and see their foundation. Why do they need a foundation? They've got all these people contributing them to them. Corporations, and guess who? Many, if not all, of the drug companies give the CDC huge amounts of money. They make the vaccines, they make the drugs. The CDC lies about all of those things. I know from personal experience, first of all, I was actually an advisor for the CDC at one point with the AIDS epidemic. I saw how they lied. Not only that, my uh, publishing company, Rockford Press, produced a book during the AIDS epidemic that was written by Gus Sermos. He worked for the CDC. He was sent to Florida to see if the AIDS uh, virus could be transmitted by mosquitoes and other insects. And he found out, yes, it can be transmitted by insects. The AIDS virus can be transmitted by insects. And when he came back, by the way, I have the government document. You can actually get it on my website for about $10 um, on my website at goodnewsaboutgod.com. I have two websites, one for health, which is drday, drday.com, and then another one, which is called goodnewsaboutgod.com. I have most of the political information on that website because when people are sick with cancer or some other serious disease, I don't want them worrying about the state of the world at that moment. So all of this other information is on the other website. I have also on that home page an article about the coronavirus, which says some of what I'm going to tell you today, but not all. So, and the reason it doesn't all because I put it up a week ago and I've got a lot more information, so I'm going to tell you about it. But the CDC lies. Um, the first time I was ever on television for the AIDS epidemic, it was in San Francisco. I was on the faculty of the University of California, San Francisco Medical School for 15 years. And I was there at the height, uh, chief at San Francisco General Hospital at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And in fact, 
Uh, I had operated more AIDS patients on, on more AIDS patients than any surgeon in the country. And that was documented by the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of the most uh, respected journals of medicine in the world. So um, the first program that I ever went on was with Dr. Julie Gerberding, who was on the infectious disease service on the faculty as well at San Francisco General. And we as orthopedic surgeons frequently dealt with the infectious disease um, consultants because we took care of massive injuries, people who had been crushed in horrible automobile accidents and other, other kinds of accidents, been shot and stabbed. And, and so some of these people got an infection because, well, when you're run through with a two-inch pipe all the way through your body that was in the ground in Golden Gate Park when you were escaping from the police in your car, you have a dirty wound and some of those wounds get infected. We took care of patients like that. And so uh, we would have to consult with the infectious disease people. And Julie Gerberding was uh, an infectious disease person. Then, of course, uh, when we, we went on this show, this was at the time when we knew AIDS was still an incurable disease, and it still is an incurable disease, although they're keeping them alive longer with drugs so they can uh, give it to more people. So at that time, it was well known that AIDS was not curable. And so Julie and I went on this show together, and on the show, Julie Gerberding said that the AIDS, AIDS epidemic, HIV, and AIDS was curable. My mouth dropped open. I couldn't believe that she would say something like that. So when we were done with the program, and I, I of course, uh, answered her right there. I said, how can you say that? And I, by the way, if Julie Gerberding comes around and listens to this, fine, Julie, I have the video showing that you lied. All right, I still have it. So uh, when we walked out, I said to Julie, we were walking out together, and I said, why would you say something like that, that, the, that AIDS is curable? She said, oh, well we have to think of the psyche of the AIDS patients. I said, rather than the truth? And that was all she said. And of course, she was handsomely rewarded by being the first woman director of the CDC where she lied some more and said how safe vaccines were. And now, of course, uh, she is now head of the vaccine division at Merck and making many millions of dollars. So apparently lying pays off, at least in the world that we have today. So the CDC lies. Oh, you can't believe anything they say. Not only that, you can't even believe what they say about the regular flu. Now, everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, there are 37,000 or 73,000, whatever, uh, whatever number the CDC talks about. They say that there are that many deaths from flu in the United States anyway. Actually, there aren't. Actually, almost nobody dies of the flu. So they're lying about that, too. Here's the thing. In order to push the flu vaccine, they have to make you think that the flu is a real problem. So they tell you that 37,000 or 73,000, whatever number they want to pick, die every year of the flu and pneumonia. That's what they put, the flu and pneumonia. So everybody hears flu first, so, oh, this is a terrible thing. 
Well, if you really look up the statistics now, you can't really find much truth on the Internet anymore because they are um, censoring it so completely. But I have all this information, not only because I'm a physician, but because I have been on the Internet gathering all this information and I have it. I copied it all off. So I have places filled with articles for the last ever 20 years or whatever long the Internet's been up. And I have a lot of information from before that as well. So they tell you that there are all these deaths from flu and pneumonia. Well, here's what they're really saying. They have to add pneumonia to it because almost nobody ever dies of the flu. And of course, a coronavirus is not a flu virus anyway. It's a common cold virus. It's, it's a cold virus. It's not a flu virus. But of course, the symptoms are quite similar between a cold and a flu, although with a flu, you frequently have more upset stomach and you might have a bigger headache and you might have diarrhea or something, which you generally don't have with the common cold. But that makes no difference. The, the coronavirus is a common cold virus. So they say all these people die of the flu and pneumonia. Well, many people die of pneumonia because that's an end stage thing. And that's what's on the death certificate. If you have cancer and then you get uh, real sick, then you're bedridden and then frequently you'll get pneumonia. So pneumonia will be on your diagnosis on your uh, for the, the autopsy or for the death certificate. OK, so it'll be like cancer and then pneumonia. If you have heart disease, very severe congestive heart failure, uh, the, the end stage thing, again, you generally get bedridden and then you have pneumonia because you can't get up and walk around. So pneumonia is a catch all. People get pneumonia because they get fluid in their lungs or they'll get uh, um, uh, some infection in their lungs. So they get pneumonia. And so pneumonia is almost on every death certificate. So. What the real thing is, let's say they pick the number 37,000. Well, the, de flu the deaths from the flu a year are about seven out of the 300 million people in America. And the deaths from pneumonia are 36,993. So they had to put pneumonia with the flu to make the flu sound like it was a real killer. Now they're saying... Oh, well, yeah, all these people die of the flu, but they're they're So so people who do understand that this is a psychological operation and it has nothing to do with the coronavirus per se, they'll say, well, there are a lot less people dying from this than die from the flu. But they're still wrong, as you see, because they've lied before and now they're lying again. So again, this is not a flu virus. This is the common cold virus. And it is, it is not going to make people sick. Now, I want to tell you one more thing after I have hopefully convinced you that the CDC lies as the government lies, as politicians lie, and as almost everything in America is uh, a fraud. I have here in my office, I have a big picture on the wall of William Casey, former director of the CIA, who said, we will know our disinformation program is complete when everything every American believes is a lie. And so everything out there is false. So uh, we know now that CDC lies, but we also have to realize that the coronavirus is a cover. It's a cover for, uh, first of all, a global government. They say, oh, we have a global pandemic. 
Now we have to have a global government to handle the global pandemic, which is, of course, what they've wanted for hundreds of years to bring in a global government run by the Illuminati and Freemasonry, where they're in this together. And if we're um, if we have enough time at the end and you want me to, I will tell who's in the Illuminati. Um, and so the Freemasonry and Illuminati have put this all together. They want a one world government. They want to get rid of national sovereignty. And that's why, you know, Bernie Sanders is talking, but he's a communist. He's a card carrying communist. And um, and even Biden wants a one world government. Uh, all of them do. All of them do because they are of the elitist. So. That's number one. Number two, they're talking about a cashless society. Oh, we don't use cash anymore because cash is contaminated with the coronavirus. And when they go to a cashless society, then they'll know every transaction that you have ever made. And if you are a dissenter for what the government wants you to say and you don't believe in it, all they have to do is take your number out of the mechanism for buying and selling and then you will starve to death. You will not be able to buy or sell, and bartering will be a crime. So they have wanted a cashless society. Now you realize that in the history of the world, they could not bring in a cashless society until there were computers. And computers were only available to the average person between 30 and 40 years ago. So for all of the rest of history, they had what did not have the availability of making a cashless society. The other thing they can do is they can declare medical martial law and start taking all of your rights away. And in China, I think you probably saw they were nailing people into their apartments so they couldn't get out even to get food or water. And they were at other times dragging people out of their apartments there was one heart-wrenching one where a mother was being dragged in and shoved into a van and her little six-year-old boy was holding on to her, trying to take her back from these evil men who were taking her off. Well, there is some evidence that they were taking them out to uh, either put them in camps and re-educate them or kill them and traffic their organs, which they have done in China. And so... Uh, this, these are all things that they can accomplish by this. Now, another reason we know this is a psychological operation, because I have in my hands that I'm looking at right now, two and a half pages, double spaced of headlines that uh, contain the number 33. Well, 33 is uh, a very occult number in Freemasonry. Three plus three is six. 666 is a satanic number, and the Illuminati and Freemasons are very much into numerology. So the 33 is, is being telegraphed, and that is the Freemasons and Illuminati who are doing this are telegraphing to all their tribe that this is a psychological operation, such as Bill Gates said, well, we think maybe 33 million will die or we'll get the get the uh, coronavirus in uh, China. And then he talked about uh, the increase is 33%. And, and there are all of these headlines that have the number 33 in them. And one of them had the number 666 in them. It was talking about the Dow average. It went up 666 points. These are all uh, 
evidences of psychological operations. Also, when they use these um, exp- these, these exaggerated um, adjectives, such as uh, the, the coronavirus in such and such a country jumped from two to nine. Well, that's not really a jump. Or they'll say it increased 300%. Well, if they started with two, that's not really very many they end up with. (laughs) So this is what they're doing. We know this is a psychological operation. And they do these things as distractions during the election year. But this one is going to be worse because even though the coronavirus will not kill you, they have opportunities to take you away, put you in prison, put you under medical quarantine for other reasons that they want to do it other than that you have an infection that can spread to other people. So what we know about the Illuminati and and Freemasonry is they have had a plan for population extermination for a long, long time. And in fact, they have implemented it already. They have they they killed a hundred million people during World War II, both with the Germans and with the Americans and the British. Okay, they killed a hundred million people. Now they killed a whole lot in World War One. They killed uh, a whole lot in um, Korea and in Vietnam. So this is all part of population control, abortion. Abortion was started by Planned Parenthood was started by Mag Mark Sanger, Sanger, who was a Jew, who who the main purpose was to kill Gentile babies. So this is all part of population control. And I think it's like 56 million they've already killed. Uh, they have uh, vaccinated. When I was a child, they you only needed about six vaccinations to go to school. Now you need about 52. And there was no. Um, um, there was no sudden infant death syndrome before these vaccinations. There was no autism before vaccinations. So they are killing us slowly. When I was a kid, there were no children who had cancer. There were no there were no teenagers or young adults or even middle-aged people who had cancer. Now everybody has cancer. Um, everybody is sick. Everybody's taking drugs. The drugs slowly kill you. And for those of you who say, oh, well, you know, I have high blood pressure. Without drugs, I wouldn't be in good shape. Well, the drugs are still killing you. The drugs never cure your disease. Why does the doctor say you have to be on them for the rest of your life? Because they don't cure your disease and they weaken your immune system every single day that you take them. And then they cause other diseases because they have so many side effects. So they are already killing Americans. Now, after World War II, which uh, is frequently called the Good War, and one reason it's called the Good War is because the Jews were able to get Israel out of the hands of the British and into their own hands to start the nation of Israel. But they treated the uh, veterans from that war very, very well. They had the GI Bill. Uh, Young men could go back to school and to college and at at a very low rate. And uh, they had a lot of benefits for the GIs because Israel has America dying so Uh, The Illuminati and Freemasonry at the highest levels can get all the resources of these other countries and get them under their control by getting control of their central bank. So they were very nice to the GIs then. But now that the Illuminati and the, the Freemasons have it all sewn up, 
they don't need our military anymore, really. And they're coming out of the closet to show that they control everything. So they are destroying our military. All these young men are getting numerous vaccinations. Sometimes they'll get 18 or 20 at a time, nine or 10 uh, at one time in, in the shoulder, in the shoulder, the upper arm and the rest in the hip. And some are collapsing as soon as they get them. And others are getting very, very sick. It's part of Gulf War syndrome. It's part of PTSD. Plus they're giving them drugs while they're over there. So they are killing our military, um, rather rapidly. And they're not uh, fixing up the ships. They're not building new ships. And so we're not going to be able to defend our own country. And that is part of their plan. Now, I want to tell you something else about bacteria and viruses. I want you to picture this. In your city, the um, garbage collectors have just gone on strike. So you have had no pickup for your garbage in, say, three weeks. Well, your garbage can is overflowing. And what is happening is that you're collecting mice and rats and flies and all sorts of other vermin and insects because they feed on the rotting garbage. So it is rotting garbage that attracts the vermin that clean it up. If we didn't have those kinds of animals to clean up the mess and vultures to clean up the dead animals in the road, the, the world would be overrun with the carcasses of dead animals and all sorts of garbage. So these vermin are very important to clean up the dead and dying tissue. But let me ask you, if you see a dead animal in the road, did it attract the vulture or did the vulture attract the dead animal? Well, obviously the dead animal uh, attracted the vulture, the cleanup crew. It's the same way. It's the rotting garbage, the dead and dying tissue and the rotting garbage, meat and other things that attracts the cleanup crew. And it attracts the rats and the mice and the uh, insects. So think about this. It is the rotting tissue that attracts the cleanup crew, not the other way around. So we have all these things to clean up the earth. Well, God has given us a cleanup system for our body as well. And guess what they are? They're bacteria and viruses. Bacteria and viruses do not cause disease. Now, this is different from what you, everything you have ever heard. And this goes back 150 years between Pasteur, who was uh, the one who developed the pasteurization of milk, Pasteur and Beauchamp. Are you saying are you saying it's not the bugs, it's the terrain? No, it is what it yeah, well, yes, it is. It's your immune system. What it is, is you damage your immune system by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress, and you cause the dead and dying tissue. And we are covered with with bacteria and viruses all the time. They're all over our skin, they're in our nose, they're in our mouth, they're in our gastrointestinal tract. They never bother us until we get our immune system in bad shape by not getting enough sleep, by eating too much sugar, by eating a bunch of processed crap food, um, or, or by being angry and, and triggering our flight or flight reaction, which pours cortisol into our body and suppresses our immune system. We give ourselves disease. And it's the bacteria and viruses that come in to clean up the mess. They are the cleanup crew, just like the rats 
and the um, the other ver vermin and the vultures that clean up the dead tissue. We have dead and dying tissue in our body when we don't treat our body correctly by uh, tr uh, properly uh, living, thinking, acting, eating, and handling stress. So we cause the disease. And it's the cleanup crew that comes in to clean it up. But when it cleans up the toxins and pours them into the bloodstream, and then those toxins sometimes give us a headache, and then we feel sick, and it gives us a stomach ache. It's the toxins that the bacteria and virus are cleaning up. Just remember, the pile of garbage attracts the cleanup crew. So as I say frequently, uh, germs don't cause disease any more than flies cause garbage. Flies do not cause garbage Garbage attracts flies. It's the dead and dying tissue in our body from the way we are abusing our body by the way we were living, thinking, acting, eating, and handling stress that attract the cleanup crew. All these bacteria and viruses that are in our body, in our nose, in our mouth, on our skin, don't bother us at all as long as our immune system is working properly. But then when we um, uh, get don't have enough sleep, we eat too much sugar or what, and then we have we have damaged our body then the cleanup crew comes in to clean it up but then we go to the doctor and get a drugs maybe an antibiotic or something that stops the clean out process so when we do that over and over again first of all the antibiotics that you take will wipe out the good bacteria in your colon which are 30 that's 33 percent of your entire immune system so you can't fight disease so when they talk about autoimmune disease, oh, your immune system gets too strong, and that's why you get rheumatoid arthritis and all these other things. That's baloney. That is absolute baloney. That's like saying, don't get too healthy, because if you're too healthy, you'll be sick. You can't have a, a, an immune system that's too strong. That's like being too healthy. It's, it's a suppression of your immune system by the way you're eating, living, and handling stress. That is the problem, not that it's too strong. So doctors work at the wrong end of every single disease. Let me give you an example. If you have a child, eight-year-old child, who's very sick with the chicken pox, and the child has chicken pox marks in his skin, would you take that child to the surgeon and say, oh, Cut out all the chicken pox marks in my son's skin so he'll be well. Well, no parent would ever do that. They know that the chicken pox marks in the skin are a result of a sick body. When the sick body gets well, the chicken pox marks will automatically go away. The problem is the sick body, not the chicken pox marks in the skin. They're a result of the sick body. By the way, it's the same way with cancer. And that's how I got well from fourth stage cancer. The cancer is not the problem. It is a sick body. And the problem is most people don't feel sick when they're diagnosed with cancer, but their body is very sick. Their immune system is very suppressed in order to develop cancer. And so the doctors are always trying to cut out the tumor, burn out the tumor with radiation, poison out the tumor with chemotherapy, all of which usually kills the patient before it kills the cancer. But what I did to get well from cancer is I changed everything about my life. 
because of my work and because of things I was doing, I was abusing my body. I never drank. I didn't do drugs, but I was operating night and day, sometimes 72 hours straight. I drank a lot of coffee in order to do that because as a trauma surgeon, when you've got patients lined up outside of your operating room who will die if you don't operate on them or be maimed for life, you can't say, I'm tired. I'm going home. You have to stay there and do it. So I ate a lot of sugar. I drank a lot of coffee in order to stay awake to help these people, but I was destroying my body. And so what I did as a doctor, I knew doctors don't get anybody well from any disease. That's why I became a trauma surgeon. Because if you're run over by a truck, if you fall out a window, if you're shot or stabbed, you need somebody like me to put you back together. But that's not a disease. That's trauma. That's not caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. That's an accident. Doctors never get anybody well from diseases because they give you drugs, which cause additional diseases and only treat the symptoms, never the underlying cause. Or they cut off your body parts or cut out your organs. Well, I had breast cancer. I knew I didn't develop breast cancer because I had too many breasts. So cutting one or both of them off was not going to cure me. But doctors are all brainwashed. And that's all they know how to do. And so uh, they work at the wrong end of every disease. And it's the same way with this. They're working at the wrong end. And they'll tell you, oh, you know, have uh, all sorts of uh, cleaning agents in your house. And, and it's, it's a good thing to wash your hands, definitely, with soap. You don't need all these other crazy things to do it. And because they're, they're trying to work at the wrong end, what you need to do is you need to rebuild your immune system so you won't get the disease. But people are eating fast food. They're eating lots of sugar. They're drinking lots of energy drinks. They're destroying their body with a lot of coffee and, um, and soda and alcohol and, um, and anger and lack of forgiveness and not enough sunlight and, and not enough sleep at the proper time of night, not enough drinking water. Get your body well, and then you're not going to get the disease because ger uh, germs don't cause disease. It's your sick body that you have done to yourself that puts you in a vulnerable position to get sick. And then the, the uh, bacteria and viruses just move up to move in to clean up the mess. So again, the coronavirus just causes the common cold. That's all it does. But beware of what they're doing in what, what they're not telling you about in China was the first cases of uh, the sickness, coronavirus, they call it, first cases of sickness turned up at the end of December. You know what they did at the end of October, the 1st of November? They started 5G over there. I've got the documents for it here. It was on the internet. They, they, um, they uh, started that on, on November 1st. And then guess what they started on December 1st? They started forced mandatory vaccinations. And within three weeks, guess what? They had a bunch of what they say, sick people. Whether or not they did or not, we don't know, but they have a cover for it. But they have some reasons for having sick people if they do. And that is mandatory vaccination started three weeks before. We have uh, studies done where they show from the time you give a vaccination to an infant, the increase in the incidence of sudden infant death syndrome rises to about three weeks and then it falls off. So this is the period of time and that's exactly when the first cases of sick people, supposedly sick people started in. So they, they don't tell you about that, the 5G, 5G 
and the mandatory vaccinations. Now, let me tell you something else about mandatory vaccinations. Um, they've done studies on animals where they took one group of experimental animals and they gave them one single vaccination, just one vaccination, and all the animals did fine. Then they had a second group of animals, same kind of animals, that they gave uh, just one vaccination to, but a different one from the first group, and they all did fine. Then they had a third group of experimental animals, and they took the vaccinations of the first and the second group, and they combined them, put them together, and vaccinated the third group, and the third group all died. There are, first of all, contaminants in vaccinations. There's mercury, which is a deadly toxin. There's aluminum. There are chicken cells. There are human cancer cells. There's all sorts of things in vaccinations. So when you just get one, it's not too bad because your body can handle that, even though uh, vaccinations do not, let me say again, vaccinations do not prevent disease. They never have. They never have. The incidence of childhood diseases plummeted like a rock before the introduction of vaccinations, before the introduction of vaccinations. They, they went down by 95%. Because reason, of sanitation? Pardon? Because of sanitation? Yeah, because of sanitation, because of child labor laws, because with the Industrial Revolution, people moved into the cities from the country. There were whole families living under staircases, living in one room with no windows. They had no sanitation. They were throwing their waste into the streets. Uh, children were working in the mines. Children as young as six, seven, eight, nine were working in the mines for 12 hours a day. They never had any sunlight. They were being contaminated with all of the, the mining dust. And um, they were working long hours in sweatshops. And so they were getting sick. And even that, gynecologists were not washing their hands after delivering a baby back then. That's right. That's right. And the, and the doctor who decided you should wash your hands was not only ostracized, he lost his license. Yes. Okay. So, so these things, when they changed these things, they got child labor laws. So children weren't being worked like this. They had... Um, uh, rules for housing, that you had to have windows. They had sanitation, new sanitation uh, provisions and laws. And when they did that, that's when the incidence of, of uh, childhood diseases and other diseases plummeted, again, by 95% before the introduction of vaccinations. Once they introduced vaccinations, the evidence shows that most of the diseases were caused by the vaccinations. Okay, and you can find this out. There are two really good books. One is called Vaccine, Vaccines, Are They Really Safe and Effective? And that's by Neil Miller, N-E-I-L, last name Miller. It's an inexpensive book, costs 10 or $12. It's very small and it's easy to read. And it's got all these graphs in there where you can see this. It's got over 300 medical references. You can get it either at Amazon unless they have taken it off of Amazon. Then you can get it at a website called thinktwice.com. Thinktwice, one word.com. I have nothing to do with it, but it's an excellent book. And then there's the one by Suzanne Humphreys, which is called Dissolving Illusions, which documents completely clearly that all of these diseases were caused by the, um, the, the lack of sanitation and the bad housing and the lack of child labor laws. So those two books, you can convince yourself completely that vaccines have never worked. 
Love yeah, Dr. Humphreys, folks. And you you have to listen to the interview we did about her two books, that and the fact that she was pro-vaccine. And she actually did her own research at her own time. That's when she was actually kicked out of the medical industry and the hospital after what she discovered. That's right. And, you know, I used to believe in vaccines. I vaccinated my children. But about 30 years ago, I learned that vaccines did not work. And, uh, and so um, I am... I, I, again, doctors are all brainwashed. You see, if you want to be a doctor, if you're in high school and you have decided that your goal is to be a doctor, what do you do? You work hard, you get good grades, and you never rock the boat. Then you get into a good college. And so when you're in a good college, you want to go to a good medical school. So what do you do? You work hard, you get good grades, and you never rock the boat. And when you're in a good medical school and you want to get a good residency, you do the same thing. You work hard, you get good grades, you never rock the boat. And then when you're in your residency, if you want to get an academic position or a position with a good uh, group, clinical group, you work hard, you get good grades, and you never rock the boat. So when doctors are done with their training, they don't even know how to think. They don't know how to think. It's mind control, especially during medical uh, uh, school. Total mind control. And you never, you never question your professors because, again, when you're in medical school, you want to get a good residency. You don't want to be known as a troublemaker. Um, I, I might tell you right here um, who really rules the world. Because when I was at San Francisco General, uh, on the faculty there. Can, can you, was, if you don't mind my asking, yeah. can you hold that thought for part sure. two? Because let me just share it with the audience. What The reason why I love having you here is because... You talk from your heart. There's no censorship. But the last time I had you on, I don't know if you know this, but my YouTube channel got censored for 45 days. So I want to leave this for the second part, and you know exactly where I'm coming from. Let me just say this, folks. What you're about to hear, you won't hear in the mainstream media. Nobody will talk about it. And everybody's going to call you a conspiracy theorist, but you are nothing but an informed human so please proceed. And if you don't mind holding that thought for part two, I'd appreciate it. And also, also one before I forget, the Alfred P. Mora building. You probably know what was in there. You talk about the, the Gulf War syndrome. This is the reason why that building was pulverized, dustified, because of the records that were there. They want to get rid of our military because the amount of lawsuits that would have come out if those papers became public would have been incredible. It would have dwarfed, in my opinion, the national debt. Your take. Right. That's right. So are we still on? No, we're we still on. I just, I just wanted to skip that part that you were going to say for part two, but keep keep talking. Okay. Well, are we in part two yet or not? No, no, we're not. We still have about 25 minutes for part two. So keep going. But the, the who ruins the world, we'll get into that in part two. And you just take your gloves off. Tell me when we're in part two. Sure. Okay. All right. So all of these things, um, uh, again, as I told you, uh, with with the CDC, uh, Gus, Gus Sermos, when he was working for the CDC, and he's a personal friend of mine, he's an attorney now, um, when he went to Florida, and he ab absolutely was able to document that insects were transmitting AIDS. When he came back, he told the CDC, yes, here's all the evidence. And when they saw that it was transmitting AIDS, they didn't want people to know that. And so <clears throat> they took him out of the office that he was in and put him in another office. 
that had nothing in it except a desk and a chair. And they said, you will sit here until you quit because we're not going to fire you because we don't want to pay you unemployment. So you will sit here until you quit. Now, in this book that we published for him, which is no longer available because nobody's not nobody's very interested in AIDS right now. Um, he showed that the hotline that the Centers for Disease Control set up to tell people how to avoid AIDS, they gave to the hands of the homosexual organizations. These are the people who were getting AIDS and giving AIDS to other people. Um, and, and they were the ones in charge of telling you how to behave so you wouldn't transmit the disease. This was just unbelievable, unbelievable. And this is what the CDC does. It is so totally corrupt, as every other organization in government is totally corrupt. FDA, FDA, and uh, who's in charge? Oh, yes, the FDA is totally corrupt. I was on, uh, I did some experiments with Carl Brighton, who was the chairman of orthopedics at uh, University of Pennsylvania. And there were 12 of us in the country that were doing these experiments on electrical uh, healing of, of bone fractures. And so we were trying to get it approved by the FDA. And I dealt with those FDA people. It was incredible. They were so corrupt. Not only that, I was on an NIH committee, National Institutes of Health. Um, in the um, 70s and 80s, published in the Journal of the Amer American Medical Association, were some um, a, a series of articles that were the summation of doctors getting together and deciding specific forms of treatment. So I was asked to be one on, on one of these committees. Um, there were only like 12 to 14 people on the committee that I was on, and I was the only orthopedic surgeon, and it was on um, biomaterials like the metal we put in people for hip replacement, and there were other kinds of people, bioengineers and things like that. And so, first of all, I wonder, they were called consensus development conferences, consensus development conferences. And again, this was in like the 80s. It was in the 80s. And so that's like 40 years ago. And so I thought, why are they doing this? Why are they having consensus development conferences? And we were given a certain um, question to answer. So this is how they treat the doctors that they have come back there. So we, we went back there and then they, they paid our way back there. We stayed overnight in the hotel. And then the morning we started meeting. So then we, we conferred about this one particular question all morning, and then they brought us in lunch, which was a bunch of terrible food, cold cuts and mayonnaise and stuff like that for sandwiches. So then we conferred the rest of the afternoon. And by, by dinner time, we were still conferring, but they didn't bring us any food. Uh, we were supposed to eat the mayonnaise and the cold cuts and all that that had been sitting out unrefrigerated all afternoon. This is the NIH. So nobody wanted to touch this stuff. So he said, no, we'll go out and get dinner. Oh, no, you will not go out and get dinner because you are not allowed to leave the building. What he said, not allowed to leave the building? We're prisoners? Yes, you are. You're not allowed to leave the building. So we went without any food after having the really bad food at lunch anyway. 
And so we conferred for about an hour more, and there was an NIH um, person there with us, kind of our chaperone to make sure, I guess, we were behaving ourselves. So we gave them the decision, which was unanimous by all of us, at, to the uh, NIH person who was there babysitting us. And so he read it, and he said, this is unacceptable. Confer some more. He said, well, this is what we think. What do you mean? This is our decision. No, it's unacceptable. Confer some more. So we conferred for a few more hours, and and we came up with the same decision about the answer to this particular question medically that they were asking us. So um, we said, here it is. It's the same as we gave you earlier. He says, well, doesn't matter anyway. We're going to change it. So this was just a show. In other words, they brought us back there to say, oh, well, they conferred with doctors who were legitimate doctors. They were going to rewrite it anyway and change everything that we had decided. They were going to change it. And so then they ordered us to show up the next morning for a, um, uh, a press conference to condone what they would have rewritten that night as though it was our decision. And I said, I'm not going to show up for that. But almost everybody else did. I just packed my bags and went home. I said, I'm not going to be part of this lie. But here's the reason they were doing it. I thought a lot about this. Why are they doing this? And, and a new consensus development conference um, uh, opinion was reported in every week in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And I figured out almost 40 years ago, they're going to eliminate doctors. They're going to eliminate doctors. And that is exactly what they're doing now. To be replaced with what? AI? No, they're going to be replaced with, see, the, the most of the doctoring will take place in either Walmart or Walgreens or CVS or other drugstores like that where they're already moving in. I predicted this 25 years ago that they were going to start there. Okay. And so they're going to take the the people who handle the register at Walmart, give them two weeks of training and put them into being physician's assistants. Okay. Physician's assistants, yeah. I hope not to offend too many people out there. Physician's assistants don't know anything. Doctors go four years of medical school. Well, with, with all due respect, no, no, not about you, but them. Some of them behave like doctors. They think they are. But they're not. They're not. And they don't know anything. They don't know anything. And um, it's just like, see, let me tell you, an orthopedic surgeon takes five years of orthopedic training after medical school. Do you know what your family practice doctor has? They have one month of each rotation. They are one month on internal medicine, one month on pediatrics, one month on orthopedics. Your family practice doctor knows one month compared to five years of orthopedics. They know nothing. They only know enough to make them dangerous. Okay. They don't know anything. Now, again, I, you know, I am uncensored, but that happens to be the truth. And, and nurse practitioners. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you about nurses. I don't know. They have all this glamour where people think oh, nurses are wonderful. Nurses don't do anything anymore. RNs don't do anything anymore, except maybe give out medication. Um, as nurses, assistants, and all that, they are the ones who actually take care of the patient. However, 
nobody does that anymore. Four years ago, my husband fell and broke his hip, and I realized that the, a family member or a caregiver you have to hire has to sit with your loved one all the time because the nurses don't give a damn. The nurses don't. That's not their job to take care of the patient. It's the family's job. This is just like um, uh, vaccination, uh, vaccine companies, the drug companies are not responsible for the harmful effects of their vaccines anymore. The state is, the government is. So nobody has to take responsibility for anything. When I was practicing medicine, um, we were responsible for the safety of the patient. Not anymore. They don't take any responsibility. It's the family's job to have some family member there or you have to hire a caregiver because it's not their job to keep your fam the patients there safe. It's not their job. So nurses don't really do anything anymore because the family's there to make sure the person has water. The family's there to get them to the bathroom if they can get up. Family's there to give them the bedpan. So what do the nurses do? They bring them drugs around to make them worse. So RNs can be sometimes helpful, like in the ICU, where uh, they have worked for a long time and they're good observers. They know when a patient's starting to crump, we call it, when their patient's starting to go bad. They don't know why the patient's going bad. They know kind of what drug to give them and all that. They can observe things. And that can be very helpful to a doctor when a nurse is a good observer. But they don't know why things happen. The doctor knows why things happen. Nurse practitioners and physician's assistants don't know why things happen. They don't know why. They just know, oh, if this happens, give them a drug. But you see, this all plays into the Illuminati and uh, Freemasonry in population extermination, because I think it was um, recently um, Rahm Emanuel's brother, I think his name is Ezekiel Emanuel. Uh, Rahm Emanuel was the press secretary for Obama for a while. Mayor of Chicago. Is that right? Yeah, from Chicago. And we know other things about him, too. And so and then his brother. Uh, his brother Ezekiel has said, nobody under the age of 15 or above the age of 55 should get medical care. See, they call us all useless eaters. If if you're not able to be a slave for them and make enough money to pay them taxes, they don't want you to have medical care. And they're even talking about that now with the supposed coronavirus. We're only going to be caring for the people within that age group because those are the ones who can work and make money for them. Those are the slaves. And so um, uh, we, we know that the population extermination is high on the list. It says that at the Georgia Guidestones, look at that. They're going to eliminate five and a half billion people from the earth. There's six billion, six plus billion now, and they want to get rid of five and a half billion so they can have the world for themselves. Uh, and so this is all part of population extermination. And so uh, it's going to be the Walmart clerks, the ones who who you know do run the cash register. They'll give them two weeks, uh, and and you know in a way, in a way, that's reasonable. And I'll tell you why, because doctors don't cure disease. All doctors do is give you a drug. That's all they do. The internal medicine doctors, as surgeons, can operate on you and mutilate you. 
but the uh, the doctors who are not surgeons just give you drugs. That's all they know how to do, and drugs never cure disease. So when you go to the doctor now, you fill out this whole form. You do it yourself. You do it. And so you tell them what diseases you've had, what drugs you're on, what operations you've had, and they can just put that into a computer. They don't do that yet, but they can put it into a computer, and out the other end will come the drugs that you should be on. So the 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 person is just going to take you, this person who used to be a clerk uh, checking you out at Walmart, who's had two weeks of training, they'll learn how to take your blood pressure, uh, but they can make that automatic pretty soon. They can take your pulse and they can actually listen to your chest. But there will be a group of doctors in New York, a group of doctors in Los Angeles, and maybe a group of doctors in Chicago for the difficult problems. And they will do this by remote such as like on FaceTime, only a bigger screen. And so if if there's something that just doesn't automatically come out the other end of the computer where the patient can go get the drugs, if there's a bigger problem in a patient who is between the ages of 15 and 55, then they can hook in to one of these groups of doctors um, who will be from a certain group of people, and they will then, they can see the patient and when they, they will be able to hear the patient's heartbeat because the, uh, the former cash register person will put the stethoscope on the patient's chest and they can hear their breath sounds from uh, their lungs and they will have whatever material they need. And then they will either, if, if the person is too far uh, gone in their disease, they'll just say there's nothing we can do, even though there would be something they could do. Or they will say if they need surgery, there will be surgical centers, uh, probably be one in Southern California, one in Northern California, where there will be some surgeons to do it. But most people will just be, they'll just put this form through the computer. The computer will just spit out the drugs at the other end, what drugs this person should be on. They take that 10 feet to the pharmacy right next door to where this little clinic is in Walmart or in uh, Walgreens, and they'll get their drugs. That's all a doctor does anyway. Doctors don't do anything more than that. What does a doctor do besides give you drugs? Nothing. Nothing. That's all they know how to do. And drugs don't cure disease. Drugs treat the symptoms of the disease. Not the underlying cause, as I told you earlier. Doctors work at the wrong end of every disease. They work at the wrong end of cancer. They work at the wrong end of Parkinson's. They work at the wrong end of lupus and, and every other disease because they're always treating symptoms, never the underlying cause, because the underlying causes are all the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. And in the books that are on my website at drday.com, I have over 400 references in these books showing that the medical literature proves that that germs don't cause disease. They prove that. And yet they all think that they do. But all of the causes of disease are lifestyle factors. It's not even genetics. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, women with breast cancer have uh, uh, the BRCA, BRCA gene or HER2s, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Cancer is cancer. It's all caused by the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. And it's all reversed by changing the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. If cancer and these other diseases were genetic, then our great-grandparents would have had to have as much 
of those diseases, including cancer, as we do in order to pass them down to us. But in 19... Are they epigenetic? Epigenetics? Yes, are they epigenetic. Basically, if you have a grandfather who smoked, and your father smoked, and you smoked, this is why you're getting cancer. Now, you can stop that behavior, and perhaps you won't die like your dad did. But I don't even like to put the word genetics with that. This is behavioral. We watch, we do what our parents do, right. not what they we tell We model us. them, right? All right. So if they smoke, we're more liable to smoke. And then all you have to do is to, to not get lung cancer is don't smoke. So again, I, I've given the illustration. If you see a very large, a 400-pound woman walking down the street with two very obese children, that's not genetics. She's feeding them what she's eating. Correct. All you have to do is change the way you live, think, and act and handle stress. Because if you live, think, and, and handle stress like your parents did, you'll get the same diseases most probably. But if you change, then you won't get them. In, in America, in 1900, only 3% of Americans had cancer. Now over 50% have cancer. That's not in the genes because we didn't get it from our ancestors because they didn't have it. And so we do this to ourselves. We say, oh, I wouldn't do that to myself. We don't do it on purpose. We do it ignorantly. And these people who are supposedly dying of the coronavirus are all old people anyway. There aren't, you know, it doesn't even occur in children. So it's immune, those people are immune suppressed. Yes, of course. They're on all sorts of drugs. And many of the people in these nursing homes are bedridden. They already have pneumonia or they're prone to pneumonia because they're not moving around. And so they can die. And who knows, they might be pulling a, putting a pillow over their face and then, get, oh, they died, they died of coronavirus and they haul them out. I don't know, but I, I can tell you, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, people say, how can you say that? Well, read the book by R.J. Rummel, which is called Death by Government. You will find out that more people throughout history have died at the hands of their government than from invading armies. If you think your government loves you and they want the best for you and they want you to be healthy and reproduce and have more little ones, then I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn because they don't. They don't. And the ones who get to the top have to go along with what the Rothschilds say and the Rothschilds and their group want the world for themselves and they want to get rid of us. They call us useless eaters. Let me ask you this, Dr. Day. Are we witnessing the calling of our elderly population? Here's why I'm asking you. Italy, take Italy as one of the largest elderly populations in the world. It now has the highest daily deaths from the coronavirus. As we speak, there are tanks roaming through the streets of Italy. The entire country is currently locked down and quarantined. China, now Italy, are they beta testing of what's coming, especially to call the elderly population. Yes, yes, that's what's happening. Not only that, they can call whoever they want. They can take young people out too and, and kill them and take their organs if they're dissenters or what, whoever they want to take out. And then they could just attribute it to the uh, coronavirus. So it's not just the elderly. They're calling whoever they want. And they started, of course, in China. Why would they start in China? First of all, China is the most populous country all right. Secondly, they've been communists for three generations, so they're easy to control. People know that if you speak against the government, you may go to prison or you may get killed. The protests, right? yes. And, and then the other thing is these people are unarmed. 
So they're not going to start with America, where millions of people have guns. They're going to start with China, where nobody has guns. And so they can do with them whatever they please. They control them completely. So this is the beginning, if you will, this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the end, where they're going to uh, try all these things out to see how they work on uh, China. And then they're going to start going to the other countries. Some of those people are armed, but most of them aren't. Australia is not armed. And, you know, they, they have to disarm the population. You know how hard they're trying to disarm America yeah. because the, the cabal is coming out of the closet and showing itself that they run the world and they want to get rid of the guns because they're a very small part of the, converse, uh, of the population and everybody else is a large part of the population and America is very heavily armed. So they are doing everything they can and they may even start um, gun, gun confiscation. In fact, in, in the area near San Jose, in that county, San Jose, California, uh, I just saw an article where they are putting together the county a gun confiscation team. Now, the plan has always been that the first group, the reason that the government allowed the um, gangs to flourish in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and other places, they wanted the uh, obvious leaders to rise to the top and control their gangs. And then they're deputizing those gangs, and they will be the first group to come door to door in America to take away your guns. And they will get paid by um, uh, getting all the guns they want, raping all the women they want, killing anybody they want. Uh, and because these people are not trained, and so they don't care if they get killed. Uh, so they're the, going to be the first group that comes door to door to confiscate the guns. Then they will start with the police. Now, the police are higher trained. It's cost the government more to train them. And but a whole bunch of police will get killed, but not as many as the uh, gangs. And then, of course, after the police come, whatever's remaining, they'll send the military in to get it. So this is the way it's going to go with gun confiscation. So they're already putting, it was just yesterday I found this article on the internet from uh, the county uh, right of uh, Santa Clara County, right near San Jose, California, where they're putting together a gun confiscation team. I hate to so get political here, but why is it always liberal counties that do this? You know the answer, but I can't say it until the yep, next Until second. part two, sure. A <laughs> couple of things before we break, and we're going to break in a minute. Two things that I want to make sure that everybody knows. Back in November, November 15th, 2019, to be specific, the Homeland Security sent out an opening, a job opening, public health advisor for quarantine program, paying between $51,000 and $93,000. And the open period was November 15th, 2019, to May the 15th, 2020. They knew, they yeah. forecasted that this was going to happen, or they were already prepared to what was coming. I'll get your take on the other side. I also want to mention something else, and I don't see it here. Oh, yes, yes, I wanted to make sure. I think we may have discussed this before in our other interview. Deagle.com, this intelligence gathering website. I have, again, I'll re I've repeat this many times, but as the time approaches, it seems to be more and more accurate. In 2017, we had a population of 327 million and a GDP of 19 trillion. This entity projects that the population will be, what is it here? 
in 2025, 100 million and a GDP of 2.4 trillion. I want to take, get your take on the other side because a lot of people said either war or a pandemic. And we're seeing that right now. How can people learn more about your work, get in touch with you, and then we'll continue by taking the gloves off in part two. Okay, you can go to my website at drday.com. I had fourth stage cancer uh, 27 years ago. I had no chemo, no radiation, no mastectomy, and I am totally well and cancer-free and have the energy of a 30-year-old. And um, I have another website called goodnewsaboutgod.com, which has at least 10,000 articles on the political situation, and they are all uh, categorized by the different categories, so you can look at those. Uh, they've taken a lot of my articles down. Uh, there are some articles of mine and articles of many other people that are on the internet, and they've taken a lot of those down, but you're, there's still enough to get a lot of information. Uh, and I have latest postings on that every week. I post new information on Monday morning, so if you go to that website, good news about God, all one word, good news about God, all one word, all small letters, dot com, and you will get a lot of information that's still available there. And I remember my conversation with the late Dr. Harvey Bigelson. I don't know if you knew who he was, but he always told me, it's not the germs, it's the terrain. He was also persecuted, arrested for speaking the truth. When we come back also, folks, we have questions for members of the audience and a lot of information that you don't want to miss, especially at this time. Veritas is changing a little bit to Sanitas, which is used to be the other program we used to have that we were more or less told to ban it but we're going to bring it back right now because of what's happening. I'm here privileged to be with Dr. Lorraine Day. Another hour when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.